Thanks for checking out this episode of the Cultural Standpoints Podcast. We're your host. I'm Curtis. And I'm Hannah. Last semester, I did a documentary about drag queens here in Richmond, Virginia. Hannah helped me film my interviews, and for this podcast, we were interested in exploring more of the drag world. With the rise of RuPaul's Drag Race, we've seen an explosion of drag queens, and specifically those of the RuPaul variety. Additionally, he's made some controversial comments regarding whether or not trans women can be on Drag Race. He did later correct this by introducing Gia Gunn on the show, but it left us with this question. Drag is generally understood as a performance art and is a symbol of the LGBTQIA community, but it's also a symbol of self-expression. It parades itself as an inclusive art form, but is it really as inclusive as we think? We wanted to have a conversation, an examining of who drag is for and who can or can't perform drag. We thought that whether or not people could do drag was based solely on gender or sexuality. However, we found that whether or not you could be a drag performer was based on a lot of other unexpected factors. To dive in, we found two experts, both cisgendered queer women, both who are drag performers, one as a drag king and one as a drag queen, and they were both able to share their time, experiences, expertise, and opinions with us. My name is Mo Fisher, and I am best known as Drag King Moby Dick. I became a drag king in 1995 in New York City. I started Club Casanova, the world's first weekly drag king party. Mo has also written numerous books. She's appeared in documentaries, TV, movies, and theater. She's considered one of the forefathers of the modern drag king movement. She's also currently working on a website called dragkinghistory.com to showcase the extensive history of performers. My name is Allie. My drag persona is Ophelia Diamond. I've been doing drag for about two and a half years now. I'm 27, white cis female. I identify as queer. And I got into drag actually by writing my undergraduate thesis about drag queens. Allie studied at Hollins University in Roanoke, Virginia for both her undergraduate and graduate studies. Her undergraduate thesis was on the familial communication patterns of drag families in the Roanoke Valley, and her master's thesis was on the acceptance of gender nonconforming presentation within RuPaul's Drag Race over 11 seasons. So, Curtis, let's talk about what drag even is. You're a big fan of drag. I know you love RuPaul's Drag Race. How do you define drag? Yeah, so from the interviews I conducted for my drag documentary and from what I watch and learn on RuPaul's Drag Race, I would probably define drag as an exaggerated performance of gender expression, but that's just the opinion of a cisgendered gay man. Hannah, how would you define drag? So I'm a straight cisgendered female, and I agree with you on your definition of drag. I also think of it as an exaggerated gender performance. So yeah, let's turn to our experts and see what they have to say about this. Drag to me is basically a person who adopts uh, the persona of the opposite gender in dress, in gesture, and character development. I really believe drag is political because uh, of how gender is um, behaviors and are so codified. And, you know, so breaking those molds, breaking open people's minds is revolutionary and that's, you know, empowering. For me, drag is absolutely an art form. It's a creative expression. Drag really is the ability to explore gender norms, but also kind of fuck with gender, 
to play with gender and to have the ability to see you know, what works for you. Dragon history plays an important role here when we're talking about inclusion. There are millenniums of history around drag, but it's most commonly associated with the theater. Yeah, the term drag is actually believed to have originated when men would dress as women for plays. That's because their dresses dragged the ground as opposed to the pants they'd usually wear. However, there's also evidence of drag, both male and female impersonators, dating back to ancient Greece and ancient Chinese dynasties. Although drag has a very long and rich history, when we look at modern day, we see that drag has become adopted by the LGBTQIA community. We don't have a lot of information on this adoption, but it hasn't always been this way. In the context of the United States, male impersonators, female impersonators, historically, and I'm talking about prior to 1920s, was for everyone. The LGBTQ, etc. Uh, community didn't exist because it was against the law. Then we see clandestine gay community starting and people congregating in the larger cities, and there were balls. I'm talking about drag balls where women were in men's attire, men were in uh, female attire, and it was for everyone, and not, it's not exclusive to the LGBTQ, et cetera, community. So why do we think it's become owned by the queer community? Specifically why it became adopted in queer communities, this would be my opinion. I would say for the fun of it, for the being able to express themselves in flamboyant ways and partially being able to express that side of themselves that was uh, frowned upon in, in the world at large. A lot of people think drag and they think drag queens, but there are also drag kings and non-binary drag performers. Any type of drag can be performed by either gender or by non-binary or transgender performers. Taking it to modern day, it is exclusively in gay and lesbian bars and clubs. But it's not necessarily for just gays and lesbians. You know, pretty much anybody can go into them and enjoy the show. In terms of performing, my opinion is basically anybody can perform drag, regardless of your gender, regardless of your sexual orientation, regardless of your identity. Modern drag especially does tend to include more LGBTQIA people who are not cis gay white males because it's finally kind of opening up the idea of like you too can play with gender you too can perform so just among us squirrel friends can we talk about modern day drag without talking about rupaul's influence no drag queens are the most popular face of drag and the rise of rupaul's drag race has only popularized drag queens and this is 100% shade, but for those of you who have been living under a rock, RuPaul is a cultural phenomenon. He's a famous drag queen, arguably the most famous. He starred in movies, TV shows, and is the namesake of his own TV show competition, RuPaul's Drag Race. However, Mo and Allie have some feelings about this. I would say that RuPaul has both positively and negatively affected how particularly American and European societies see drag. So RuPaul really does emphasize the idea that drag must be very polished, it must be very clean, but you still have to show personality, so you have to be an individual, but you really do have to adhere to some pretty strict, I would say, guidelines. 
RuPaul has codified the behavior, and there's a, a particular formula, if you will, in how to do it, what to do, how to dress, how to do your makeup. RuPaul is essentially making the rules about drag and disallowing women to perform. What drag is and what it isn't is RuPaul's opinion. Basically, that's how he wants to do his show. He has flatly stated he does not want drag kings on the show. Uh, unfortunately, it has hampered the drag king community. When we set out on this exploration, we also stumbled across something unexpected. Whether or not you're a woman and whether or not you're a drag queen or drag king has a big impact on economics. There are economic impacts regardless of the type of drag you're doing. Yeah, it was really interesting to learn about how unexpected economic and financial consequences impact access to drag. Things that have to be considered are male versus female income inequality, white versus POC income inequality, the number of gay bars versus the number of lesbian bars, drinking habits of people, the height of drag queens versus the height of drag kings. Also, there's the sheer cost of being an entertainer and several more. So we're looking at economics here. So uh, there are predominantly way more gay bars than there are lesbian bars. So drag kings are having a hard time finding a place to perform. And then in terms of economic, men have more disposable income. Due to the pay in inequalities, women make a lot of less money. So economics plays a huge part in all of this. The bars and club owners might not be inclusive of drag kings. They don't think women, you know, are going to be a draw. A fundamental difference, though, too, is a drag queen towers over a drag king. Drag has a lot to do with financial means. That's something that I think a lot of people who are in the community are aware of, but we don't speak about. Allie goes on to say that being a drag performer can be a big time and financial investment with little to no return. As these women are both actively engaged in the drag community, we wanted to find out what drag is looking like going forward and what they think about the future of drag. Kids today are taking uh, drag into a more expansive world. So where it's somewhat limiting, per se, to say drag king or drag queen, right? Where it's the non-binary, it opens up to this whole other uh, expansive opportunity where you're like, wow. So where do we stand in all this? Curtis and I believe that drag is an art form that anybody can and should do it. It's fun. It's performance art. However, not everyone can do it given the hindrances on access to drag. And because drag is such an important part of the LGBTQIA plus community, it could be hard for cisgendered heterosexuals to integrate into that community. Yeah, we believe if you want to do drag, go for it. As long as all people are promoting freedom of expression, freedom from judgment, and keeping it a safe space to create art and experiment with personas. And there should be an understanding and respect that within the LGBTQIA plus community, drag exists to help break gender norms, create visibility for the marginalized, and of course, doesn't exist to make fun of or appropriate groups or individuals, except to make fun of binary gender norms. My opinion is drag is for everyone and have fun. Don't be so serious. It's entertainment. Who are you to be the drag police? Okay, our time is up. Thanks for joining us. Check out the rest of this season's lineup of interesting topics. We also want to give a special thanks to Allie at Ophelia Diamonds on Instagram and Mo at Mr. Moby Dick on Instagram. And also be sure to sign up for her newsletter at draggingshistory.com. I love you, Curtsy. I love you, Hanny. Bye. Bye. Bye.